Welcome to the Cat and Moose podcast. I'm Cat and I'm Moose. This is a true life podcast where we explore the quirks of being human. All right, so welcome. It's the Cat and Moose podcast. It's our first show. It's our first show and we don't know what we're doing and we're really thankful that you're on the ride with us. And you might get off at stop number one. <laughs> no, hang with us for three full podcasts. Yeah, hang, hang with us for three full podcasts. And then if you want to get off, you can. And if you want to stay on, we'll we'll welcome you with all kinds of lovely hospitality. And hospitality around here looks like making sure everybody has the appropriate beverage. So for you. I don't have a mocktail today, but I do uh, have a fancy soda here. That's nice. You drink a Coke Zero. Now, mm-hmm. you really like Coke Zero, but like really find a distinct difference between that and diet coke yeah i mean years ago i had diet coke and i used to drink it all the time and then i went through a phase where i didn't drink any soda because it was from the devil mm. and then i was love... that like a religious thing or was that like a health <laughs> thing or like what was that yeah health like just mainly i didn't want to re- drink regular soda because it had sugar in it and then it has all the bad stuff in it so what about the things like the the stuff that you can find like at whole foods or at trader joe's that's like the zero this that's flavored like a lime but it has zero gmo and zero this and zero well, that still like, have sugar. like if you're talking about no no, no, no. Oh, like zevia you mean yeah i'm talking about the stuff that doesn't have sugar in it it's but good still tastes good i like it but it doesn't cause cancer supposedly how i don't know and why weren't we doing that back when i was drinking tab i don't tab oh wow you remember the pink can with the yellow writing i do i mean that stuff was amazing that tasted terrible well i i thought it was amazing it was when my mom went from like our house went from pepsi products my mom would drink she she told me six cans of pepsi a day and when she started weight watchers she started drinking tab and put our family like on diet colas yeah and that's kind of all i knew yeah growing up so we went from a pepsi family to a tab family to now i i feel like i'm i'm a diet coke girl and you're right. a coke zero girl and i still don't really feel like i understand why i just think it tastes more like coke like i actually like, tastes like coke. The real deal. i just don't want the calories uh-huh i realize it's terrible for me i don't want to hear about it yeah i just every once in a while like a coke zero yeah I, so well, what are you drinking i can appreciate that well i'm drinking a uh a cold buttery Chardonnay called Franciscan. Oh, that's your favorite. It's brand. my favorite. Yeah. yeah. And everybody, anybody who knows me knows like that's kind of my go to my drink of choice. And um, I just really enjoy it. So I'm glad to be having it while we're having this discussion. I'm not having nine glasses of it. I'm having one glass of it. Well, that's good. Yeah. That would be a really interesting first podcast. If yeah. You had nine. Right. It, it probably would be really boring, actually, because you'd hear me snoring in the background. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's a new year. How has your break been? And do you have any resolutions this year? Oh, thank you for asking. I, I, it is a new year. My break has been absolute torture. Like it's been absolute torture. And here's why. Okay. It's because I I looked on my calendar today because I started to dabble back into work. And one of the things that I really use to ground myself is my calendar. Like in whether that's okay or not, I really don't care what anybody thinks. But for me, like my calendar is my thing. And so I went to the calendar today and I looked, I started a new, what the, (laughs) God. Okay. In the pod office, we have three animals. Yeah. One of who is a consistent crier. Um, so anyway, so I discovered that, um, I started going to my new place of therapy about eight weeks ago and two and a half of those weeks have been 
a break between Christmas and New Year's, which, you know, in the industry I work in is typically off time. And basically like that time has, the reason I describe it as torture is that I've really been facing some of the crap that, that has been stewing and brewing in my heart and in my mind and in my soul. And, and I've had all this time to actually sit and think about it and and to consider like, what am I going to do with it? And it's been really hard because I'm very used to for decades now, like I'm talking more than 20 years. I'm used to just like, cat, get it done, mm-hmm. get the job done, nose to the grindstone, get it done. And you can relate because you, you're a really brilliant and hard worker and very successful, accomplished business owner. Um, and, and, and so like this break has been really hard for me because it it's, it's really caused me to, well, it hasn't caused me, it's given me the opportunity to have some perspective while not having kind of my go-to work work. You know, and that's and that's been really hard because I've had to I've had to deal with some real stuff that is worth dealing with. Yeah, I totally understand that. I think for me, I have had uh some time with my sister, which is pretty much what I have left in my family. I've got two brothers as well, but um, I had a moment this break too, that was very enlightening and, uh, showed me a lot about who I am. So let me tell you something that I did. Okay. So, uh, are you, you're aware of like the simple human garbage cans? Oh yeah. That, uh, yeah. Don't they have like the bags that you can like stretch around the can and they like fit perfectly or something like that? If you can afford them. Right. You, if you, you get like two or three and yeah, then you, you get like three and then they're like $6,000 a box at that point. <laughs> so you just have to buy the cheap ones and then they it's provide like a, a little a pyramid hole. scheme. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pyramid scheme. So it's basically a garbage can that's fancy. Right. So, um, I got a new one because my old simple human, I felt like I was taking out the garbage every single day. It was like, how can one human create this much garbage. <laughs> so I bought a bigger one. Cause that's what you do when you're an American. <laughs> and, uh, so I have a large simple human garbage can I'm really excited about. And I have this extra one that, um, we didn't need at the office or anything. So my sister was visiting and I said, um, Hey, look, I got you this garbage can. I was like, it's only a year old and you could have it. And she just looks up and she says, I don't need that. And I said, what, what do you mean? This is like a hundred dollar garbage can and you, I'm going to give it to you. So that's actually not what you say. You say like, thank Thank you, you you know, all that was in my head. And, uh, she was like, thanks sis, but I don't need it. And, um, so instead of, you know, receiving that and hearing her, I took the garbage bags that fit that garbage can. I put them in the bottom of the can And I got her car keys and walked out to her car, popped her trunk and put the garbage can (laughs) in her trunk, closed the trunk, came back in and said, I I put it in the car for you. Yeah. You're convinced that it's going to make her life better. That's the thing, Kat. I believe that I have been put on this earth to make people's lives, to improve people's lives. Well, I mean, I can attest to that. I, I think that that's a real thing. I think that's a problem though, because... My sister laughed. Luckily, she's just a kind, good hearted, sweet person. And she's used to me doing this for Mm -hmm. most of my life. But 
I, it was a moment for me where I like saw myself kind of out, out of my body and was like, okay, you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're pushing something on someone. They don't want it. But in my mind, I'm thinking you have this crappy little plastic or plastic can wastebasket or whatever that you use in your kitchen under your sink that literally is like 12 inches tall and you have to undo it, you know, a million times a day. Yeah. And, and you're, you're like in making her life better, improving her life by giving her a hundred dollars, simple human trash can. Do you notice I had to mention how much it costs? Right. Like these things are problems. Right. I mean, like I picture it <laughs> like it's on, um, the price is right. And there's like a light coming down and it's like, <laughs> how much does this can cost? And people have to guess, you know, and it's like, I want her to see the beauty of this garbage can. Yeah. But like, I don't understand. I'm either going to give it to you or give it to someone else. Probably Goodwill. Like, why would you not want my fancy garbage can? But in that moment, like I talked it out with my counselor, as you know, I've had many therapists and we'll get into that. <laughs> but I talked through my counselor and I was like, what is it about me? And she was like, well, it comes back to control. And I'm like, but I'm not trying, like, I'm, I feel like I'm very generous. And so she's like, yeah, but you want to determine what she wants. And I was like, but I legitimately want to know why you wouldn't want a fancy garbage can when you have a plastic one. <laughs> right. Right. Like, right. Fair. I'm putting these two things in front of you and you continue to pick the one that is a small waste basket. Mm -hmm. And at the same time too, it's like, you, you don't know. I mean, she's your sister, so you know her fairly well, but it, you don't know her entire perspective. Like she might have a thing with trash cans. And that really small trash can might really be representative of something that brings her peace or something that the yeah. perspective you just may never have. Exactly. But in my mind, she has a thing with not receiving things because I constantly mm -hmm. want, like I just ship Amazon boxes to her house. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, like, a, you know, it'll pop up like recommended. And I'll be like, my sister needs new cutlery. Yeah. Let me send her. And she's like, you know, I don't like gold cutlery. I like silver. And I'm like, no gold is better. <laughs> and it's just really interesting to watch, especially with family, how those dynamics play out. Oh yeah. And, 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 and you think, you know, what, what is best, you know, I'm, I'm the same with Amazon with my mom. Like my mom probably gets something once every two weeks and probably is like, why is this on my doorstep? And it's like, well, I got this for you because of da 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 da, da you know, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And it's like, I, you know, on the other end, she could be doing like one of two things. She'd be, Oh, that's so sweet. That's so useful and helpful to me. Or she could be on the other end going, why in the world? Why does she think I need these uh, why things? Why does she think I need these things? My little niece, my best friend's little baby, um, she's two and a half. And when FedEx, UPS, or Amazon drops things off, she yells, Ani, which is her <laughs> nickname for me. So she basically thinks that I am the person behind all gifts, which I'm not upset about because I might get <laughs> right. credit for things that I didn't send. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think there might be a small problem there. Okay. So today's episode, we are talking about therapy. Therapy. Love it. Okay. So both of us have done therapy for at least a decade. At least a lifetime. <laughs> yes. I mean, I was going to therapist as a 13 year old. You were? Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been going to therapy for my whole life. Like when I was 13 years old, my mom had our family in family counseling because our family was going through a divorce. And I, I think that she knew that that was really important for us. So I've, I've been in therapy settings for decades. Wow. I, my first was because of Freddy Krueger. And then I went <laughs> as a kid because of my scare of an earthquake. 
and because you experienced an earthquake no there was like um an earthquake that was um i think it was december 3rd 1990 okay if i'm right that they they said it what's it called like they like predicted it they predicted an earthquake mm-hmm. which i don't think you can do mm. um and you went to therapy for that yeah because i was fearful of yeah. it beforehand um but none of it was like a few sessions for those mm-hmm. but it wasn't until i can blame therapy on moving to nashville <laughs> The music industry <laughs> yeah. made me stay consistent with therapy. Yeah. The um, music industry keeps the the uh, mental therapy <laughs> business in business in this town. It's so true. I mean, where we go is actually on Music Row. Yeah. We have different therapists, but we go to the same place. But um, uh, I, w- I want to comment on the fact that I've had a few therapist and is it now is it because you just like wear them out and they die or like <laughs> like uh, why have you had so many well no so the first one i since when i came to nashville the first one um i think you might this might be familiar to you uh i had a therapist who would basically fall asleep during no session no that's not okay that is not okay well you know who i'm talking about well <laughs> i was trying to act like i didn't <laughs> And yeah, that was really annoying when that would happen. Not, not annoying. It wasn't a full snore. It wasn't a full snore. It was just like, it was like like a, like the head would go down. (laughs) Like it was like a, I mean, Uh you know, when they're bobbing their head, like in a a plane, when you see people and then there was like a, yeah. And it's like, (laughs) you like I'm paying you money to care about what I'm talking about. And it's not that long. It's only like no. 45, 50 minutes, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just not okay. And that one too, if I remember correctly, she didn't say your name right. Correct. And it's she- like, no, you, you can't get my name right or stay awake in our sessions. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you're fired. So I moved on from her and, um, although I thought she was great, you know, yeah, was, she was, was amazing. It was good for the time being. And then a few years later, I kind of went a few years without therapy. And then I moved on to another therapist who was a little bit older, quite a bit older, let's be honest. And I think I sort of graduated from her because, um, I couldn't really get her to help me make decisions and Hmm. I don't need some, I'm pretty decisive, but there were some big decisions that I was like, what do you think about this? And her answer was always like, I think you're going to make the best decision based on you. Any decision you make is going to be special. And now, now you, but you also weren't looking for her to say, this is the decision you should make. I was looking for someone that would push me and challenge me though. And, uh, so yeah, there was just a sort of a natural progression that I moved out of that relationship. And then I found the, the dream therapist that Uh I've, I've been with for probably three years and she just last month uh, chose to retire and she's just an amazing human. But and not because of you. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. In fact, she didn't like using the word retirement. She said that she was going on adventures, which I loved. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure if I contributed to that or not. So, <laughs> um, so that was really sad. And I actually really had to grieve that because she had been, I'd gone to her every week for almost three years. Yeah. So, um, and this is the, the famous Dr. B, right? Dr. B that's what we call her. Um, and I'm sure I'll reference her. Uh, but, um, so she's amazing. And so she gave me, uh, plenty of time to figure out who was next and to give me some suggestions. And so anyway, I've been going to this new therapist who I really love. Um, we're kind of getting used to one another and I think she's going to be a good fit. Um, but it's, uh, one of the things that she has put me in a particular, uh, has been the role play. Have you ever done that? No. Role play in therapy? No. So in some of my Enneagram training, they do role play where 
they'll have um, someone come up who say that I'm having issues with my husband and they're a type six on the Enneagram. And mm-hmm. they'll ask for the crowd, male or female, is there anyone type six? And they'll come up and do that. But I've never done that in therapy. Oh, wow. And so this has all been very new for me in therapy and, um, and very uncomfortable. Mm. Like I love talk therapy. Mm-hmm. I, I have huge breakthroughs. I, I'm somebody that moves fast on change, but this has been really difficult. So we've done it a few times once with my mom who's passed away. She wanted me to speak to her about some things. Uh, we actually did it with my former therapist to, mm. to talk through like sort of the grieving and the closure mm. process. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way she makes me do it is she'll say she'll, she has a little ottoman that you could open up and it has all these scarves in there with different colors. Okay. And she'll say, can you pick out a, a scarf uh, that a color that reminds you of that person? So, you know, you're like, all right, purple, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and then you have to put it in the chair across. You're like, from yes, you. as long as the person is a VeggieTales character. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. It's like, I don't I don't know. Um, so you pick out a scarf, you lay it in that chair mm. and then you have to talk to them. And it is so uncomfortable oh, for wow. me. Like I it I worry more about how awkward it is. Mm. And I really don't care what people think, but it's usually just not very great. So we've moved on from the role playing. Oh, and, that's good. And now we're just focus on talk therapy, but, um, I, we thought it was important in one of our first podcasts to both kind of build the foundation of talking about how much therapy has meant to each of us. Yeah. And it, it I, I mean, and it really has to both of us and thank God, thank you for all of our therapists <laughs> for doing your job and being in the profession that you've been in. Um, the, the kind of therapy that I've been doing is way new to me. Like there's, or there, at least there's a part of it that's way new to me. A friend of mine told me about, um, about a thing called somatic therapy. And I, I had to go look that up because I didn't know what that was. And basically it, it's basically saying that like your body and your emotions are connected. It is like a layman's way to say it. Um, and so I, I literally did this search. I was like, okay, where in Nashville, like are there therapists in Nashville that do somatic therapy? Cause this friends in California and you know, things are just always way cooler in California. And, um, and I found this place and it was interesting to me because the, like the tagline of the place said a, a, I don't know if it was a place or what, but it said a a place for holistic healing. Mm. And when I think of holistic, I immediately think I need to go to Whole Foods and find gluten-free granola and get some essential oils. Like that to me is what holistic means. Um, So again, I went and looked the word up. I'm like, what does holistic mean? And it actually means of mind, body, and spirit. Mm. And so the way the approach that this organization takes toward therapy is, is they're going to, they want you to go through experiential therapy that basically addresses what all is going in your mind, but also what is going on in your body and also what is going on in your spirit. And I just thought that was so cool. Like I'm a pretty spiritual person. So I, you know, the more I can dig in and learn about that, the more I want to. So, um, so basically what I did is I went and I, I filled out, there's this intake form that you fill out and it asks you all these, you know, super deep questions about your, your life and your experiences. And so basically terrifyingly enough, I, put all this information in an intake form on the internet. Oh gosh. So dear God, I hope that their like back in secure system is really secure because like I told these people my life story. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to waste their time or my money. You figuring out my story. Let me just give you everything I can give you so that we can kind of start at where I'm at right, right now. Right. Um, and so, um, I basically said like, you know, I'm the CEO of my organization. I want to talk to the CEO of your organization. I want that to be my initial intake person. And, uh, I also said things like, you know, I'm really interested in, um, integrative body work because that's something I don't know anything about, but if, if, 
I am understand the holistic healing process. It does have to do with mind, body, and spirit. So I want to do whatever we can do, like having to do with my body, that's going to um, be helpful. And so anyway, so the integrated body work is really cool because basically what, what they do is there's all kinds of modalities out there with this stuff that I've been reading about, but basically it, it addresses things like chakras, the meridians in the body, the, you know, the energy flow from, from the tips of your toes to the top of your head. Like for example, when you inhale, the proper way to inhale is to inhale from the tips of your toes through the bottom of your feet, up the back of your legs, up your back and, and to the top of your head. And then when you exhale, you exhale from the top of your head down through the front of the body, front of your legs, you know, out through your toes. And supposedly that's a thing. And there's all these like, you know, gurus and, and people who are ancient people who have studied this stuff in, you know, Eastern China and stuff like that, India and all of that. Um, and so I thought, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. And it's been really cool. It has really dug up some, um, some interesting emotions and experiences. And I feel like it's kind of helped me crack up in something that I haven't had access to before. And that's been really neat. So what does like uh, a session look like? Are you just doing talk therapy or how are you integrating your body in that? Okay. So the talk therapist is, is mostly talk therapy, but every now and then she'll be like, okay, like, do you feel that somewhere in your body? Like when you talk about that anxiety and I'm like, yes, I feel it in my chest or I feel it in my stomach or, or whatever. So there's one therapist that I go to the talk therapy and we talk about how my body feels. Okay. And then the other therapist is the integrative body work person. And we talk a little bit, um, just to kind of, kind of get in the same vibe on the same page. You know, it's like, you don't want to just like walk in and have a stranger start like pushing your pressure points, you know? Right. And so, um, so we talk for a little bit and I always find that, you know, really cool and exciting, the things we talk about. And then I get on a massage table, fully clothed. Like it's not like an undress massage or anything. And, um, she plays pretty music with like piccolos and flutes in the background and an occasional like nylon string guitar or something like that. And, um, and then kind of starts by, you know, placing her hands like under my shoulders and kind of does this back and forth thing. And then each session after that has been different, you know, some sessions she has, you know, held different pressure points and asked me if I can visualize anything. Like, do you see a color when I hold that pressure point or do you see, you know, an animal or do you see, and, and it's really nice because she also says, if you don't see anything, that's fine too. Mm -hmm. You know, so it doesn't feel like, Oh my God, I'm supposed to be seeing a red dragon right now. That's coming out <laughs> my belly button. You know, it's like that. Yeah. It's, it's not, it doesn't make me feel any pressure to see anything, but it's, it's interesting because I'll go through those sessions and think, I don't really know what that did. And then like for the next two weeks before I go see her again, it's like, she has like, it, I said this to you, I think the other day is that I feel like emotionally I have been a dry rotted fire hose. Mm. And I feel like by doing this integrative body work, I feel like the water faucet has been turned on and the hose is like spazzing out like those stupid things you see on the side of the road that look like it's a, like a, a tall red man. That's just like, woo, woo, right. Woo. You know, it's like, I feel like the water has been turned on and the pressure from the faucet being on is just like, kind of making the hose go wild, but like, it's not bad. Yeah. It's a little bit scary, but it's not, it, it, it's like, I don't want it to stop. Like I told her the other day, I said, I said, this is so intense. And she was like, well, do you like, do you want it to stop? And I said, no, <laughs> like, yeah. no, I don't because I want to be able to talk, articulate how I feel and, and think and, you know, figure some of my stuff out. So. Well, you said the other day you felt like, um, that you've been asleep for so many years yeah. and you're just waking up. Yeah. 
Like that's huge. That's huge. And in the other day I said, I said to, I forget which therapist I said it to, but I said, it's kind of freaking me out because I feel alive. Yeah. And I'm 44 and I, I've been alive for 44 years, but I am just, I'm just now feeling alive. And what is that? I really feel like I've seen you more confident than you've ever been and also more broken open. Mm. Like you, you're just letting the emotions like flow through you mm-hmm. instead of putting on any armor or trying to block it, you know? And it's yeah. like, think about if you are actually connecting your emotions to your body, mm-hmm. how integrative that truly is right. to say like, I'm staying with my body. Yep. Like I'm going to sit in these emotions and stay with my body. Mm-hmm. I've had to learn a lot about that in sobriety as well to recognize like, Oh, okay. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to feel it and mm-hmm. I'm not going to die. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm just going to let it like they're one of my favorite, I think it's a Buddhist um, phrase is the idea of letting it flow like a river. Mm-hmm. And the phrase is be a river. And mm. it actually might be a roomy quote, but um, it, yeah. Like the idea of like getting in the water and letting it take you where it needs to take you. Yeah. And, and if we look at life that way, how amazing is that? I mean, obviously we're still going to have a really tons of hurt and lots of pain and loss and all these things, yeah. but, uh, we just keep, we do keep moving. Yeah. And to, instead of fighting against that, getting in that water and going. Yeah. Um, you were telling me a story the other day about your friend who you felt the need to protect. Oh Do you remember goodness. that story? Yes. So this was a big um, highlight in my therapy uh, last year, I would say. Uh, and it kind of goes back to the same thing that happened with my sister and the garbage can. Um, but I was having some conflict with a, a friend of mine. And uh, well, I wouldn't even say it was conflict. It was disconnection would probably be the best way to say it. And um, and I was talking to my therapist about it. And I was like, OK, I have this friendship And I can't quite figure out why it's not flowing and we're not connecting in the way that we used to. And she was like, okay. She was like, what? She's like, I want you to answer me quickly when I ask you this. I want it just top of mind. I said, okay. And she said, "Um, what is it that you want for her? What do you want to be for her? And I said, I want to protect her. And, And she was like, interesting. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, okay, what are you protecting her from? And I was like, I don't even know. Like, I'm protecting her from loss and hurt and all the hard things that, you know, you would want to protect a family member or a friend from. And she was like, okay. And then she paused and kind of had this, my therapist paused and kind of had this look on her face. And she just said, what if she doesn't want to be protected? Oh my gosh. I know. Did that hit you like a oh, Like a semi truck. Mm-hmm. And I was splattered all over the front. Like it was like, <laughs> because you know, just to dabble Enneagram in here again, it's like, I'm an eight, which is called the protector at times. And, um, like that is my love language. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, it's, it's how, it's how I show love is I let people around me that are close to me know, like, I got your back. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for me, that is a very high value to Mm -hmm. say that, like, I'm going to protect you. So I call my friend and I, and I, I knew that she would say she wanted me to protect her. And I was just like, Hey, told her the whole therapist thing. And I just said, what is it? Uh, or no, I said, um, I have one question for you. And she said, okay. And I said, do you want me to protect you? And she said, no. And then she (laughs) followed it with God, no. 
And I was like, Oh Lord, hold on to yourself here. And I was, I mean, my heart just like dropped and, and she said, uh, honestly, like, that's the last thing I want you to do. I just want you to be present with me. And it was a moment where I was like, okay, I need, this is a, it was one of those things where you're like, this is a big moment for me to recognize Mm -hmm. how I walk in my relationships. And so all that to say, that was a moment for me just to recognize like, okay, the way I love is not the way everyone wants to receive love. Mm -hmm. And so I need to recognize that protection to some people feels like suffocation And, and honestly, like I'm not a very needy person and I wasn't like being overbearing in this way, but the one thing I was offering was not what that person wanted. Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of like when you give words of affirmation to a gift giver, it's like, well, that's probably nice to be told something nice about yourself. But what I really would love or what would be meaningful is if you were to, you know, bring me a cup of coffee from Starbucks in the morning or whatever it is. Exactly. Exactly. So that was when I started really like paying attention to like, okay, just because this is what I need isn't what everyone's looking for. Yeah. That's a, that's a great revelation. And I I love one thing I love about your story too, in, in that, you know, is that like you got hit by a Mack truck and we're splattered all over the front of it and you're still going back. Right. It's like, you're willing to do the work. And I think that that's really admirable. And, and one thing that I learned in my last appointment is, is that I am brave And so I want to give that back to you or at least offer that to you is that's really brave. Thank you. It's brave to go. I'm willing to step back in there and get hit by a Mack truck again. Right. Cause that's going to make me better. Yeah. One of the things that, um, that I learned in, in my therapy session recently is that, um, I, I went in there and this was before the holidays and, and, um, and this was with the, um, the lady that does the integrative body work. And she said, what do you, what do you feel like, you know, what's on your mind today? And I, I said, well, I said, I'm a little bit worried about the holidays. I said, the holidays kind of stress everybody out for all the obvious reasons. And, um, and she's like, well, what, what do you need in the holidays? Like you've got all these stressors that you're talking about, but what do you need? And I said, I just need to rest. I said, I work so hard and I've been working so hard. And, um, I feel like I, I wish that I could just be like a snowman that like melts into a puddle. And she kind of looked at me and, and, and I was like, not like in a snowman dies because he melts into a puddle, <laughs> right. but more from like, just to be like, Oh my gosh, like, let's not be so strong and stringent and rigid and in charge and so on and so forth. And let me just melt and kind of take it easy. And she's like, okay, that's okay. And, um, and so we talked a little bit more and we talked about different, um, different people in my life, different relationships, different situations that may or may not come up and, and so on and so forth. And so then a little while later I got up on the massage table to, you know, have the body work stuff done. And she, you know, she did a couple of things and, you know, got us both kind of in this super, almost like otherworldly trance or something that just felt really relaxing and comfortable. And, and she said, you know, I, I would like, you know, to offer that maybe you think about the holidays, you think about what has come into your mind about the holidays and, and some of those things that stress you out. And I was like, Whoa, like I could feel my anxiety just kind of rising. And she said, and I I would like to offer to you that, um, maybe you could consider that, that you're your own snowman, that you're, you're a snowman and the other people we've talked about in this session, they're their own snowman. Mm. So if they want to be frozen and rigid or passive aggressive or mean or do activities that you're not interested in or whatever, you're your own snowman. You don't have to participate in that. I love that. And 
they also can be their own snowman and not have to participate in, in whatever you're doing. And maybe that would allow you to, to stand there as your own snowman and be able to melt, mm. be able to rest. And I mean, it revolutionized my entire holiday season. So how did you implement that? In your I, family I literally, well, and, and it wasn't even, it, I started implementing it with work before the holidays actually got started. And I had a conversation with a client that really frustrated me and I got off the phone and I thought, you know what? She's her own snowman. Mm. I'm my own snowman. And like, I'm sorry that she's got those, you know, whatever. I don't remember what the conversation was now, but whatever the issues was she was dealing with weren't mine to deal with. So you're saying they feel what they want. I feel, I feel what, what I, I want, want and we all are okay. Yeah. 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 And then I remember mentioning it to you at one point and you were like, well, Kat, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? Like, are you going to have to call an ambulance? Like if something happens, like while everybody's thrown together at your house and it's really terrible, like the worst thing that can happen is somebody's going to stomp off and go in another room or you're going to have to have to call 911, you know? And, yeah. and I thought it's really not that bad. You know, those stressors that I've been carrying into situations really aren't that bad. So, um, so yeah, be your own snowman. I, I think it's a, it's a, it feels like an elementary concept and it also feels like a universally wise concept. I have used it since you told me that. And the only thing I have added is I want to throw a little snow globe on top <laughs> to keep everyone in their own environment. So they don't come and mess with my snowman's nose. You have, you have your own weather system in there. Yeah, exactly. You get to create what the weather is inside of your snow globe. It's snowing or it's sunny out or whatever. That's right. So, so basically like when you come up against a situation where you're like, okay, like I need to be me and they need to be them. You're kind of envisioning like almost like this, you know, like, like the shield around the death star, you know, yes. it's like, okay, this is the shield. Nothing can get through it. It drops down and you're like, yeah. be your own snowman. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. I was with a friend, um, yesterday having lunch and she's a coworker and friend and, uh, we're both eights on the Enneagram and we got talking about, um, both of our therapists have encouraged us to get back in touch with the, the, uh, soul child, you know, mm -hmm. uh, some people call it soul child, just your inner, you know, and they, they'll give you an age and say, Hey, is there a specific age that comes to mind when you started these behaviors? Mm. And, um, for me, mine has always been six and there was a little trauma there within my family and stuff. Um, but, um, that age is very difficult for me. Um, and we got talking about, we were totally being serious, but we had the moment where we were like, what does that even mean that you get back in touch with them? And her therapist wanted her to do play with that child. And so she keeps telling her, like, even as a 40 some year old woman, like, I want you to learn to play like that three-year-old or that five-year-old or mm. whatever it is. And for me, like my therapist wants me to write to her and she's, she, she's huh. like, what freaks you out? I was like, anything freaks me out. She's like, um, can you do 12 minutes of writing? And I was like, sure. Mm -hmm. And she's like, wants me to bring that in and talk to her. Nice. And for both of us as eights being the protector and at very young ages, we became, um, you know, we thought we were in charge of the family unit. Mm -hmm. Um, it is the scariest thing in the world for us to think about talking to that younger kid. Wow. Mainly because for me, I'll speak for me. Um, it's so scary because I feel like I didn't protect her in a lot of ways, mm. you know, and not that a six year old knows how to protect themselves. They shouldn't. But um, the idea of actually having that conversation feels so difficult. Does that, mm. how does that feel to you? Man, it makes me think like a, a few things immediately come to mind. And, and I remember I had an experience um, 
gosh, this is probably, you know, 25, 27 years ago, um, was the first time that that particular concept, they didn't call it the inner child. It would, I forget what it was, but, but I remember when I was a teenager, I went through a pretty traumatic statutory rape situation. Wow. And, um, and it's something that, you know, I, I just like everything that happens in life, it's something that, you know, really has the opportunity to shape you and, you know, cause the way you think and, and so on and so forth. And, um, I remember being in this, it was like a church setting. And, and I remember talking about this, this issue. And, and I remember the counselor saying, what age were you when that happened? And I said, I was 15. And she was like, wow. Okay. And then, and so immediately I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed. I was like, I was a, apparently a real promiscuous 15 year old, you know? And, and, uh, and, and she said to me and she goes, can you, um, can you remember other things from being that age? Like aside from that thing happening? And I was like, oh yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And she says, do you know any 15 year olds right now? And I thought about it for a minute and I was like, yeah, I know like three or four 15 year olds. And she goes, how would you feel if you found out that what happened to you mm -hmm. happened to one of these 15 year olds, I said, I would murder the guy. Mm -hmm. Like I would absolutely want to rip him to shreds. And she said, can you consider that maybe you could feel that for yourself at yeah, that age? Right. And I, it just like, it, my mind was blown because it's like, I I've been living my whole life, you know, up until that, that moment in time, you know, even two decades ago, thinking like carrying all this shame and, and, and fear and what if, and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, instead of, instead of sitting with myself and going like, okay, you were 15 years old, you don't know how to protect yourself from something like that right. necessarily at 15. Um, and so I think that that kind of work is really important because it, it really, it kind of, it starts to reshape the way that over and over and over and over you've trained your brain, you've trained your body, you've trained your heart to respond when something happens. And, um, I, I think it's a really valuable tool. I do too. I, I just don't, I think it's hard. I think what one other piece to this therapy thing that is so important is, um, again, yesterday when my friend and I were talking, we both talked about how, um, any kind of traumatic thing that happens in your life, especially I think in our generation, mm -hmm. it wasn't really talked about in the family system. Right. Like, right. um, you know, some hard things happen in our family and, um, or even taboo things, you mm -hmm. know, like, um, um, my uncle being gay, mm. um, it was like, nobody ever talked about it. You know, and it wasn't that we even lived in a very conservative home. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like that. It was just, we don't talk about these things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's generation to generation. Like yeah. I was telling my friend yesterday, I said, our parents, that's how they grew up. Yeah. Like their parents did not talk about things. Right. It was talked about once and that was it. Right. Um, Gosh, isn't that so interesting? And it's like, like how, uh, how unintentionally damaging, like to a child, especially, you know, know. And, and it's like now it makes me go, OK, like with my nephews, for example, or, or with, you know, like my second cousins and stuff like that. It's like, OK, how can I be a, an influence in their lives that that does differently than that? Right. You know, how can I bring up that, you know, my nephew wanted to quit violin lessons without shaming him, but still being able to let him express, here's why I did that. And here's why that was hard for me. And, you know, so on and so forth. So that, that's a really a great, I think, admonition for those of us that are, 
now in the ages that our parents were when we were that age exactly. is, is to go like, okay, can we, can we help mold and shape our generation just a tiny bit better than the last generation has, has been able to. And, and it really, is that even a responsibility? Yeah. And I think, um, I think if there's something about, um, just even stating that if there's anything you need to talk about mm. anything, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, cause it's like, I mean, we have friends who have kids that are teenagers now and, um, are going through really hard things. And I see like the parents sometimes getting frustrated, like, oh my gosh, they're smoking pot or they're, um, you know, they're already sexually active or something like that. And it's like, part of me wants to say like, thank God they're telling you that though. Right. You know, like they're, they are willing enough to like open their hearts and say like, I trust you, you're a safe place. Mm -hmm. And I get that that's gotta be scary as a parent. I mean, I can't specifically say what that must be like. (laughs) Right. Me either. However, it's like, um, uh, you know, going back to my 15 year old self, it's like, that would be incredibly, uh, difficult to even say that to your parents, mm-hmm. much less trust them to hold that. So it's like, I, I think that's, that's why therapy is necessary for so many people is, you know, you have a, an hour, however often you go allocated to just talk about something mm-hmm. w- with someone who is completely separated from your life. So they really have nothing to judge you for. Right. Right. And, and one of the things too, that, that I think is also really special about it is, is I'm kind of repeating what you just said, but it's like, you, you're close enough to me that we have a relationship, like you're my therapist, but you're not so close to me that you still can't have an objective standpoint. And I just think that that's, I think that's really, really valuable. I do too. So I have this reoccurring dream that I've brought into therapy and kind of uh, picked apart a little bit. And I've been having it for about five years. And the dream is simply um, I buy this farmhouse and it's one of those like colonial looking flat fronts that Mm -hmm. have two floors, um, probably 1800s, early 1900s. Um, I buy this farmhouse and um, I invite all these friends over because I'm so excited about this new home and there's no houses around. It has all this acreage. And it's kind of a dream home for me in the stream. And uh, so I invite like five, 10 friends over um, and to see, to see the new house and kind of like welcome it as my new home. What do you call that? Housewarming party. Thank you. Housewarming party. And so um, they come in and there's like this long hallway that leads back to the kitchen in the back of the house. And along the hallway, there's all these doors that you, you're guessing are probably a parlor, a living room, a uh, bedroom, but they're all the doors and the doors are shut. And so I'm welcoming people in and I'm basically like, this is my house. And I, we walk back to the kitchen and everyone brings a little food item or wine or whatever it is. And, um, and we stand in the kitchen basically around like this bar area. And I'm just like telling them about this house and how I bought it and how I'm glad they drove out here and all of this. And so somebody says, can I, can I see the house? And I'm like, Oh, this is the house. And uh, long story short, like um, the dream has been a little bit different each time, but it's always people coming to visit and all the doors are closed and I never let anyone in those doors. Mm. They're allowed in the, in the hallway back to the kitchen and there's kind of, you know, bar stools and stuff sitting back there, but I don't really let them in, which is clearly about me closing my doors and not letting people into my life. Is that what your therapist said though? Like it was that the feedback that she gave you? Is that what that dream means? I mean, I, I don't know if that's what the dream means, but 
I've had it so many times and it's usually been around a time in a relationship where like somebody wants more of me than I'm willing to give. Mm. I usually dream it then. But um, the most interesting piece of it is most recently I've dreamt it and and uh, nobody's coming to visit. I walk in that same house and on the left hand side, the first door and this like gives me chills to even say this, like I can hear a little girl playing. Oh, wow. And she's like it, the best way I could describe it is she's playing like jacks or pickup sticks or something where it's mm-hmm. like you can tell she's rolling something. Mm-hmm. And then like you hear like giggles and stuff like this, which is <laughs> creepy because it sounds like a horror <laughs> film. But I think maybe that's like the little kid. Yeah. I think she's coming back to like, yeah, she wants on. us to hang out, but I'm scared <laughs> to death of her. <laughs> Well, I I think maybe the next time you dream that if you can, I, I know there's a terminology for when you can um, think during your dreams. It, it's a term. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like lucid dreaming or so. I, I don't know what it's called, but I wonder if the next time that dream occurs, if you can talk to yourself in the dream, if you can open the door. Dude. Like, what would it but be what like? What if she's like a scary, like black eyed kid or something. Well, then you'd probably wake up in, in night sweats. Yeah. Which again, what's the worst thing? You're gonna have to call an ambulance. You're gonna have to like go get a drink of water. Like, you know, Uh, I I think you need to open the door. Okay. Moose, you talk about being an eight in, in the Enneagram, which I'm, I'm really fascinated with too. And I, I hail you one of the experts on it. But um, one of the things that, that I've learned about myself is my Enneagram type is two. And um, that's the helper, oftentimes called the helper. And um, I've really started to go back and, and not just go, hey, I accept that I'm a two, but it's like, what happened in my life that other than my hardwiring of, of being a two, like what what kind of assisted that type of behavior in me and much like what you said and being the protector and feeling like for some reason you had to protect your whole family. I felt like I had to help my mom. Oh, wow. And, and when our family started going through the, the divorce that, that we went through and my mom and dad divorced, I really felt like, and my mom didn't do this to me. My mom didn't ask me to help her. Like I just took it upon myself to go. Now I have to take the place of my dad in this household. Yeah. You you like took on that role. I did. And it's interesting in, in all of my relationships, like in business, you know, in, in just life and so on and so forth. It's like the first and immediate thing I bring to the relationship is how can I help? Mm. And that's been something really worthy of looking at. That's amazing. I, um, I, I, it's funny because you and I joke about in business, sometimes I think you're an eight, Mm -hmm. which twos go to eight Mm -hmm. or in integration or stress there's a debate whether that goes both ways, but, um, so it's a natural thing that you do go to eight, but mm-hmm. we always joke, we almost swap roles in the business side of things. Uh-huh. Um, but in the personal side, you're definitely a two. Yeah. And the personal side, definitely a two, but it, it is questionable if, if it's, if it's work related, like, Ooh, I can act like you a little bit. And I, I'm kind of proud of that actually. That's scary actually. <laughs> um, okay. So a question for you, like my therapist asked me like, can you remember the, the first time that you sat with your family and you wanted to be the protector. And my answer was, yeah, I was six years old and I called a family meeting, which is (laughs) sad in some ways. But of course I was trying to control the situation. Uh Like for you, can you think of like that one thing, even if it's like a funny thing where you were like, okay, I will be the helper. I'm going to take on this role. 
Yeah, I, I remember in, in, in the, the sleepy therapist, the one that would fall asleep during our sessions that we talked about, um, she's the one that taught me that a lot of times memories aren't um, complete. It's not like you remember the beginning, middle and end of a memory. Um, memories are a little bit like if you look at a piece of film and there's like three three slides or, you know, like three frames, like that's what a memory is. And yeah. so to answer your question, I do have a memory of that. And, and it's, it's interesting that now that I've been doing the integrative body work, I can even attach a feeling in my body to it. But I remember when my mom told me that her and my dad were getting a divorce. I remember exactly where I was. I remember what it looked like. And I remember, and, and again, this is just a feeling in my body, but I had this immediate, like I wanted to spring up and fix it. Like I wanted to spring mm -hmm. up and help. Right. And so, yeah, that's what, that's what I, and I'm not saying that that's the reason that I'm a two, I, but it is a memory that I have associated with. Yeah. I think that was around the first time that I thought, okay, then, then, then put me in coach, you know, yeah, let yeah, me yeah. know how I can go in and, and help tackle this situation. That's amazing. I, I love what you just shared on memories because um, I'm actually really fascinated with, um, you know, even growing up with our siblings and how we see memories differently mm -hmm. and how we experience things differently. And my sister and I uh, recently recorded uh, something where we discuss that and we talk about uh, how s some of our memories are just wrong. <laughs> I mean, just completely wrong. Uh, and we'll share that in another episode, but um one of the quotes that I absolutely love is, uh, is forgiveness changes the way we remember. Mm. Isn't that cool? Wow. Cause it's like all of a sudden, if you can soften and really, you know, just not even, I think forgiveness is the word I would want to use, but even acceptance mm -hmm. to a certain level of mm -hmm. that happens and I'm going to embrace it and let it flow in and out of me. But then it changes the way you remember because it's not, it may not be that you're, angry anymore about the way mm -hmm. something happened. You're, you may even choose to be grateful for it. Mm. One, one of the things that you and I have in common is we love people and we love hearing people's experiences. Yes, so, we do. Yeah. So if, if you've, if you've been listening and you are willing to share some of your experiences with us, we would love to hear about your time in therapy and you know, if it was EMDR, if it was brain spotting, if it was talk therapy, if your therapist fell asleep on you, <laughs> <laughs> we, we would love to hear about it. And you're free to reach out to us at hello at cat and moose podcast.com cat with a K. Thanks to our producer, Sarah Reed. To find out more, go to catandmoosepodcast.com. Cat and Moose is a BP production.